Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Who, were, who was Stella Lansing? Who were the earliest advocates of the multiverse theory? Will the world end in 2020? Welcome to the 824th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our last live show of 2019. I'm not Ben, but I'm subbing in for Ben. And those diverse questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal adventure, and Ben's dad, Paul. Today we offer an unexpected open line show with our favorite guest co-host. And we welcome your calls today at 401-766-1240 from anywhere, 401-766-1240. Or you can email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or contact us by Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Okay, well, we let's explain what's going on here. <clears throat> ben has been on the weather today, so our distinguished station manager, Dave Richards, is honoring us by sitting in the Ben chair. And <clears throat> we have our favorite guest co-host with us today also for Open Lines, Shane Searway. Hey, everybody. And before I forget, um, I heard from a faithful listener who... Wants to say hello to everybody, uh, Robin Beltrami, and um, oh, yeah, she'll be listening. She just wanted us to know. Robin is from Utah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think she's called him. That's great. Okay, so let us begin. We have a lot to get through here. Uh, let's begin with a couple that came in through Facebook uh, just within the past week. Before we get to the ones from 2012 and that sort of thing, we haven't caught up with yet. And this is uh, Patty from Pennsylvania. You want to take that one, Shane? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> I treated myself for Christmas with Dancing past the, past the Graveyard and Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. I only read it in batches because there's so much to think about on every page. I do have a question. You mentioned Jacques Vallée early in the book, and I wonder what you think about John Keel's work. It seems he was hinting at a similar theory. He would bring up a point in his books, tell the reader to think about what that point says to you but never comes out and explains himself. However, it was obvious that he believed that the entire UFO, alien, Bigfoot scenario was not what it seemed and that it was all related. I don't think he ever mentioned physical versus non-physical, not solid, and I thought Valet leaned toward the non-physical. I could be wrong. I have read most of his books, so I read early on about your dimensional parallel world theories. I'm so happy to see that your experiences haven't dissuaded you from that theory and that you have only reinforced and confirmed it. All right, well, I guess I'll take that one to start. Uh, Patty, thank you <clears throat> for your kind words. Uh, it was those experiences in the latest book that, that helped form that theory. And as Ben and I always say, we could be could be wrong. And uh, I guess we're coming in a little late on the recording here for anybody who's listening in the distant future. But uh, it's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on W01-1240 with our uh, station manager uh, sitting in for Ben today, Dave Richards, and uh, our co-host, Shane Searway. So anyway, we're answering a question from uh, Patty in Pennsylvania. I was wondering about the work of Jacques Vallée and also the work of John Keel. Now, Jacques Vallée <coughs> was <coughs> excuse me, a French uh, scientist who ended up um, living in California and is still there. Uh, I am distressed to say we do not know him. Uh, I think that's going to have to be remedied. Uh, Jacques was one of the first ones to come up with what we today call the multiverse theory. In other words, he, he began to see patterns and all sorts of various um, relationships within paranormal events, uh, UFOs, etc., and he began to, to draw these parallels and sort of uh, fill in uh, 
to, you know, connect the dots, as they say. Uh, John Keel, um, and, and this is starting in the, really the 1950s. Uh, Jacques Vallée has uh, sort of been at this longer, certainly longer than I have, to say the least. And uh, John Keel was a New York journalist, background rather similar to my own, and he was uh, he came to the uh, to prominence in the Mothman cases of the early 19, I should say the mid to late 1960s in the Ohio Valley, and the Mothman being the name that the press gave to this entity uh, that was uh, seen around, and as I've, as I've explained several times on the air, uh, they were going to call him Batman. Uh, but the um, TV series with uh, Adam West was about to begin, and they were afraid of a giant lawsuit, so they called him Mothman instead. So in any case, uh, all sorts of uh, we've spoken to witnesses to that, Ben and I, when we were down there in 03, and uh, his, John Keel had a theory he called uh, window areas, which really sort of is equivalent to our idea of multiversal intersect points and overwashes, and we, we actually had to invent a vocabulary just to talk about this stuff. So Jacques Vallée and, and John Keel were sort of early advocates of that theory. Uh, so it's not our uh, theory, it's our experience. Uh, mine starting in 1970 and then Ben starting in 05. And uh, we tend to think it's correct. Again, we could be wrong, but uh, we don't think so. So Shane, what, what are your comments on, on these uh, giants of uh, paranormal uh, pioneering here? Oh, well, b- both of them. I mean, mild, mildly familiar with both their work. Um, and But... Pr- Doing my work, I've come to certain conclusions and stuff, and then I was then introduced to these guys, and, and I, you know, listened to some of this. Yeah, stuff. that's what happened to me. I, I came up with the ideas first, and then I yeah. heard about these guys. Yeah, and and I th- I agree with a lot of what they have to say, both of them. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, even John Keel talked about you know the the smells during alien abduction, or or with Bigfoot the smell, or or poltergeist activity that there's that smell, and maybe the smell is a product of the process of of what's allowing these things to interact. Yeah, I've, I've smelled ozone. Yeah, during that, particularly in the Bridgeport case in 1974. Mm-hmm. Yep, so in, I, in the I, thick of it, yeah. I, I definitely agree with a lot of their theories on on things, and um, absolutely, yeah. Well, ozone comes from uh, the splitting of the oxygen molecule uh, during electrical events. So, <laughs> you know, that's one indication. That, because, and we're always saying there are electromagnetic fields involved in this sort of thing and, mm-hmm. and all that. So <clears throat> the thing, uh, there has been, uh, Valet is, has always been very well respected. Uh, there was some speculation that John Keel uh, exaggerated at times, um, but I, I've never heard, that he was ever accused of out and out dishonesty. So, right, yeah. but regardless of the thing, I mean, the experiences they had and experiences we've had uh, lead to the same conclusion. And Shane and I both came to the conclusions before uh, we knew about the the work of these these fine uh, fine researchers. So, That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and um, but again, the approach does not necessarily have to be the same. Uh, there there were some a lot of non material speculations by by Valet. Uh, and uh, John Keel <clears throat> didn't really, <clears throat> he was kind of more or less toward our point of view because he, he said, well, th- this is what I see. I can't necessarily explain it, but there seem to be window areas and things of this kind uh, where you have uh, multiple para- sorts of uh, events going on uh, from paranormal paranormal perspective that aren't, that aren't traditionally related to one another. So, mm-hmm. Because perhaps the processes behind it all. So that, that's uh, pretty much that. Okay, well, Patty, I hope that answers your question. Um, and thank you again for your kind words. And we have a very brief one from Matthew in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. 
I read in your book, Beyond the Paranormal, that you think the world is going to end in 2020. When, <laughs> when and why? <Okay. laughs> All right. Well, I don't know quite how you interpreted that, Matthew, but I just, we don't make predictions. We will express opinions and maybe hunches and say, you know, this and that. But, you know, predictions are foolhardy, I think. Uh, that's been in, in the year 999 A.D., uh, about this time of the year, uh, thousands of people in Europe headed for the hilltops because they figure, aha, the year 1000 is going to start, so the world's going to end. I mean, I mean, <laughs> and how'd that work out? So, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know where you would have read that. I think I, you may, I suspect you may have picked that up from the epilogue of the book. And Ben and I are co-authors of that book, but I wrote the epilogue. Um, and we stuck our necks out with this good world theory on coast to coast AM one year. And, uh, we were expecting the whole country to be laughing at us, but actually uh, we got thousands of emails, people having the same experiences and, and it's things we didn't even say. So it was kind of, that was kind of impressive. Uh, two people disagreed with us and one later apologized. Uh, and they were rather profuse, uh, uh, a profuse abuse, but, um, they, anyway, so most people who heard it seemed to, uh, it seemed to resonate. Um, we did make reference many years ago to the uh, 2012 to 2016 to 2020 period as one of what we suspected upheaval, but that was just a, you look at the news, you could have seen that coming. Uh, so no, um, no predictions there, just, um, uh, you know, advocating, uh, sort of quiet contemplation and doing what you're supposed to do, fulfilling your responsibilities. Because whatever happens, uh, Ben and I have the theory, uh, we want to be found even in the worst case scenario, doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know, loving our families, f- fulfilling our responsibilities, doing our work, and, and that sort of thing. So um, I do, do not necessarily believe anything is going to happen to end the world in 2020, but it does bring up the question, what does it mean, end of the world? You know, the whole planet goes poof, everybody disappears, uh, last man on earth kind of thing. Shane, what say you about all this? I don't know. Um well, it was more directed towards you with the book, right? So yeah, that's true. So don't uh, nobody can blame you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't see. I don't feel that happening. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, hope not. I got things I want to do. Dave, uh, you are f- sitting in for Ben today. If you have any comments, um, you always have uh, very uh, articulate and uh, interesting things to say. So except when I'm in the presence of such uh, thinkers as you and Shane. Oh, good grief! <laughs> I guess he didn't read the book. I don't, uh, I don't pretend to know anything about this stuff, but I'm pretty happy with my own opinions. And, (laughs) and, and, uh, in this particular case, it, uh, generally, uh, is in line with what you are. I don't care when the world's going to end, but when it does, I want to be found doing something useful, serving humanity, and, um, doing something that my grandmother would be proud of. I think that's a very good way to put it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Patty and Matthew, for those. And we have some... Because remember, I'm going to live to 94. Oh, okay. We oh, so, then, so you're making a prediction. All right. Mm, well, no. but it's, it's something I decided a long time ago. I told you okay. about this. My great-grandfather lived to 94. Oh, sure, yeah. He buried four wives, mm-hmm. survived cancer, big operations, the whole business, lived till two months before he died on the third floor of a walk-up tenement building he bought when he lost his arm in the 1940s. And uh, this is a hard man. Yes. Uh, he kept the things up, and uh, he died at 94, so I said, I can do no less than that. Good genes. And I got a, I got a nice, cushy life here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I lived to 94, and you stop and consider 
what is the thing that so many people fear? Death. Because it's the great unknown, and there's no turning back. You know, if you don't like it, you can't come back. You can't turn it in at Walmart customer service. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I figured if I just figure that I'm going to convince myself I'm going to die at age 94, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 94. So I got nothing to worry about. And then I'll, I'll have to chew if, on that for a bit. Yeah. And then now here's the kicker: if I turn out somewhere along the line to be wrong. I got no worries anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> our theories are, are rather odd and out there about death. Uh, I don't think there is any such thing. <clears throat> With if this multiverse thing is true, you can't. How can you die if you have so many versions of yourself out there, even physically? So this is sort of cast a whole new light on something. You know, but unless somebody has a question, tell you, we, there are other shows we can refer you to on that subject. Okay, here is one. This uh, I'm afraid goes back a long way. Uh, August 2018, we never got to it. Uh, this is a, um, a uh, letter from Simon in uh, the UK. So um, we have, uh, I think we have a caller, so we maybe we'll, we'll, we'll hold off uh, on that. Okay. So, but anyway, the, this is a question that we'll, we'll put a, we'll, uh, we'll wait in just a minute for that. And we do have a caller, and we'll wait for, uh, our distinguished uh, gentleman here to get it into the system. And welcome to WON. You're on, I'm sorry? Phil from Orange. Oh, Phil from Orange. Phil from Orange, Massachusetts. Phil, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. You have a question or comment for our merry band? I do indeed. Um, and this is sort of out of left field, but I been wondering about this question, and I thought the gentleman could help out. Um, and so here we go. Given that the entities performing surgical animal mutilations probably have the ability to fly somewhere remote to drop off the carcasses where they won't be seen, thereby preventing intense speculation about how an animal was mutilated half an hour after it was seen walking around or otherwise bankrupting ranchers over time and horrifying people who see the animals. I wonder if um, the, the hosts have given any thought to why the entities have never tried to conceal these weird killings when they're known to be surreptitious in their other activities. Interesting question. Shane, you want to yeah. lasso that one? I think. Hi, Shane. Hey, hey Phil. Um, so I think these things... Here's my opinion. Uh, same thing with the missing 411 where these people are being taken. Um, same thing with these mutilations. And same thing with a lot of the other things that we deal with, like these parasitic entities, or these hauntings, if you will. Um, I, I think what's happening here with all those scenarios in, in, is that whatever is doing these things, are they're feeding off of fear. They're feeding off, you know, they, they're tormenting these things. They get something out of that fear, um, that emotional energy and frequency um, or emotional energy. And, um, and I think it's the same thing with what's going on with the missing 411 where these people just poof, they're, they're, they're gone, and then they find their body four months later with no reason for them to be dead, but they're dead. Um, and same thing with the, the mutilations. And I think the reason why... They're not trying to conceal it, and, and whatever's doing this is to, to help um, help that fear process. Because now everyone's afraid something's going on, and, and you have to 
um, have your attention drawn on these things, and, and um, that's that's one thing that they want. And they so if you're always thinking about them and you're fearing them because you know something's going on, something's killing these things in a brutal way, um, then that fear is always in you, and so and that's what they thrive off of. So I, that's my personal opinion, and that's what I've seen over you know all the years I've been doing this. I think it totally is whatever's doing all these things. They're they're getting something from that fear, um, that emotional energy. But well, there is an obvious purpose to taking specific tissue. So I mean, there's also that layer of mystery. Absolutely, yeah. There's something to that too. I mean, of course, we don't know what that is, but there there definitely is where they take certain organs, and um, sometimes the organs are missing, and there's no incision at all. The, the, oh God, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we shouldn't count on any, any empathy among this group. Right. Right. So <laughs> no. it's very horrible. Whatever it is. Well, I, yeah. I've heard every theory in the book. Shane has too. Uh, one theory I've heard that, that seems to be rather down to earth, if you, you will forgive that, is that. Uh, Many of these incisions and cattle mutilations are taking place in the southwest, uh, not far from areas where the nuclear tests, open-air nuclear uh, explosions of the 1950s and 40s occurred. And there is one theory that, that this is a clandestine government operation to monitor the contamination of the meat supply. All right. Uh, now, that may or may not have any validity. It seems like there were, might be simpler and cheaper ways to do that. I mean, the government uh, has some of even of its own cattle on, on, on land that it owns and because the um, here in the east we're not too familiar with the bureau of land management but it's it's a it's a big entity in the west and people have a love-hate relationship with it especially ranchers so th- there could be some connection with um, government activity on the other hand uh people people if, if you can believe the reports have occasionally seen the perpetrators of this they seem almost like Men in black, like at least the, some of the descriptions I've heard, there have been reports of UFOs, uh, the classic UFO, you know, the, the disc or, or the ball of light emitting the sound of a helicopter. Uh, there have been reports of helicopters making no sound at all, yet flying. I mean, you name it, it's, it's been, it's been uh, connected with this phenomenon. And we've done very few shows on this. Uh, I think we, we did one. Good grief! I'd have to look it up, but it was it was way back. Uh, had to be six, five, six years ago now, and perhaps we ought to pay more attention to it. But um, the, the question might arise too, Phil. That you know, how would you uh, be clandestine about this in the sense of covering up the evidence? I mean, people are going to see just drop the animal off in the ocean. Well, yeah, that's pot Yeah, if you can, if you have that kind of technology, you can travel that quickly. You could drop it off in the ocean. Yeah, you know, this is strange too. Like, um, like any attempt. Yeah. In yeah. Com- in comparison, something to consider too is some of the, those you know cattle or whatever um, farmers have seen them ru- you know rising up out of the prairie. There've been the sky, reports of that, yeah. And then they find them later on where they're dropped and like they're just crushed inside internally from the fall um, with these missing four one one things too. I don't you keep using that term, but with all those strange mis- disappearances, a lot of times they find these bodies and the cause of death is a fall from a very high distance, but there's no cliff near them. There's no you know, there was nothing for them to have fallen off of, mm-hmm. but it was like they definitely died on impact. But the other body is on, you know, yeah. um, kind of like the same thing that was going on with the cattle mutilation or the the cattle. Um, well, it's not know, just whether or not there's this intentional malice to generate fear. Um, it may be that if there is a um, say nutritional aspect to, to harvesting those organs, it may be that entities which do feed on negative energy might show up later 
when the rancher and his family is horrified to see the animals. I mean, who knows? That's another, yeah, one of many possibilities. Also, we should point out that uh, it's not just cattle uh, where these things have occurred. Uh, Certain certain, uh, wild animals have been reported uh, mutilated in the same way with very sophisticated um, instruments, apparently, that that, uh, probably laser-based that cauterize the wounds as as they, they work. Uh, and this sort of thing. Uh, there, uh, Linda Moulton Howe was even on the show one time and reporting fish mutilations. Fish. Fish. That's what I said. Fish. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, how do how do you tell whether fish? Have been, but you say, you know, when you have you know thousands of them sort of lying there and nobody's eaten them, and and uh, there have been certain organs removed, things of this kind. This was reported in, in uh, I believe it was Washington State. Uh, some years ago, but you know, you, Linda Moulton Howe, being a, a, a tremendous, uh, being a, a journalist, science journalist, who collects stories like this, uh, you know, we've always trusted her. So, so uh, who knows? They just found a. All right, gentlemen. Well, I'll just wish you a happy New Year and, and thank you for all the great shows. Well, th- thank you very much, Phil. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. I hope. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. They they just um I just saw it. I didn't read it read it or nothing but it looked like a legit thing where uh, it was a coyote or a fox that um was impaled like twelve or fifteen feet up in a tree onto a branch the branch was shoved right through its skull and it was just hanging there it was like what could have done that you know uh, yeah well, why would anybody that's bizarre bizarre we don't know okay well let, let's uh <clears throat> I guess Simon here uh, has been. Um, uh, waiting, uh, Simon in the UK, and uh, it says, uh, I've read The Haunted House Diaries by William J. Hall, and he mentions that you have video and photos of an alleged uh, paranormal serpent-like object and descending from a tree. Can these be found online? So it was a very practical question from Simon. Uh, yes, Simon, if you go to uh, the Facebook page of this show, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Van Eno, uh, the first video uh, that you will find is this uh, <clears throat> tadpole-like object moving down this tree. And the background of that was in 2010, Ben and I were in uh, Torrington, Connecticut, at the house where this Litchfield Triangle, as we call it, uh, first began, for us anyway. Uh, and we were uh, working with a, a, a team from a producer and camera crew from New York uh, to do a possible uh, show on this, uh, which never went anywhere. But it was very, very cold. And uh, the little four-year-old boy in the house said that his invisible friend, Ashwar, was in the tree outside the house. So Ben and I went out, and I pointed the infrared camera up into the tree, and sure enough, I got this this thing coming down out of the tree. You can see it about six seconds in, and it um, is really quite uh, quite striking. And again, if you go to the Facebook page, you can see that. Uh, it has, I think, uh, Coast to Coast AM has it as well in their collection, and it, it's around. So, uh, but you can find it most easily on the Facebook page. Now, uh, the interesting uh, sequel to that was at one point, uh, not too many years later, Shane uh, was on the trail, uh, Sherlock Holmes of the paranormal as he is. And uh, tell us what you found, Shane, about the name Ashwar. Yeah, so we were spelling it A S H W A R. Yeah, and so I was, I was doing searches on that because i'm like it, it, that's such a strange name and this young boy came up with a yeah, four-year-old kid there has to be something to it so um i came up with a, a tribe from i think it was uh, south uh, central america or something central like and south america yeah and it was spelled a-c-h-u-a-r pronounced ashwar and and that means that that name means in their language people of the trees and that's where paul filmed this this thing coming out of the tree and the boy said, Ashwar's people live in trees. Mm-hmm. That's 
I mean, not a coincidence. How's this four-year-old kid from Connecticut going to know this about this obscure tribe, which is almost extinct, as I understand it? Uh, just really, really amazing. Okay, why don't we take our break, I guess? Uh, we'll take our bottom of the hour break here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and today with uh, Dave Richards and Shane Searway on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Uh, local and live on 99.5. I love that. And we'll be right back. Stick with us. It's the latest thing. It's offline shopping. You don't need a special app. You don't need a credit card. You don't even need someone to watch your porch for delivery. In fact, when you do offline shopping, delivery is always free because you take what you bought home with you. Because offline shopping is local shopping in stores with real shopping carts where you can touch and feel and see exactly what you're buying before you pay for it. Join the latest craze and help your neighbors and your community in the bargain. Try offline shopping today. This message sponsored by the Blackstone Valley Independent Business Alliance, the Buy Local Group. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. And this is Paul speaking, and we have uh, sitting in for Ben today, our distinguished station manager, Dave Richards, and our special guest co-host, Shane Searway, who's with us for almost all our open line shows. So let's continue with the open line, so to speak. And uh, we're going to go back to um, the past here, uh, to a show from last year, questions we never got to. And this is Linda from Ocala, Florida. Uh, could two very weird phenomena, strange sky sounds and human disappearances, be connected? I have heard that they are, and could either one of them be connected to parasites as far as taking people? That sounds like it's right up your street, Shane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, one thing I do know is is um, where these people disappear um, under strange circumstances that can't be explained or whatever, and there's often weird sounds, or humming noises or, or sounds heard prior to them disappearing. And it's not every time, but it, it's reported quite a bit. Um so, I mean, we do we know for sure? No, I mean, but um, I know the sounds she's talking about. They seem to be happening more and more frequently, and even out way out in the middle of the woods, where there's just miles and miles and miles of wilderness, and then you've got these sometimes these gear grinding metal sound, like twisted metal trumpet sound, sometimes, yeah. and it just you can't tell where it's coming from. Um, also, they were they were hearing that um, too out. Uh, side of North Carolina, but when they hear those sounds, they also see these UFOs off in the horizon over the ocean, um, often orange um, when they're hearing the, these sounds. Um, and but in, in the United States, it goes back. Reports go back as far as the uh, Lake uh, Seneca, the Seneca guns or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah. where they were hearing what they thought were like cannon sounds, but. Yep. Um, but it was coming. Or the, the moodest noises in Connecticut. I grew up near there. Yeah. Yeah, which turned out to be seismic. So, so they said, well, there, there are non paranormal explanations for some of these things anyway. Sure. Yeah. Uh, seismic being one, uh, the people who research earthquakes and that's and tectonic movements will sometimes point to this and say, aha, this is what this is. Uh, on the other hand, there have been uh, some uh, other unexpected explanations. We were. Um, on the air in Detroit with the CBS station there in, for four and a half years, and we developed the listenership, and people would write in about the weird sounds taking place that they'd hear in Windsor, Ontario, particularly, which was right across 
the from the river from Detroit, the lake, and um, they would say there would be uh, a hum. Uh, sometimes they would even feel it, you know, kind of a vibration uh, in 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 themselves or, or even in, in the uh, material objects in their house. And we did a lot of research and we talked to some people. And we think that at least partial explanation was that there was an unused power plant on an island between, I think it was American Island, but it was between the U.S. and Canada there in, the, in that area. And the um, some of the, the turbines would, the wind would sometimes turn them and would create uh, what we call infrasound. Mm-hmm. And w- we've uh, traced a lot of phenomena to infrasound and standing waves that are, that are, tra- ben, ben is a sound expert, you could talk very uh, eloquently about this, but uh, that that can it can uh, make the eyeballs uh, literally vibrate in your head at a certain frequency. Uh, maybe David knows about this too, and uh, that this can cause you to see and hear things. Uh, and th- th- this might not be the whole explanation, but I mean this this apparently was partially uh, the answer to the, to the issue in uh, in Windsor, Ontario, and Detroit, Michigan. So that was one of those things, but you can But it's very difficult difficult to explain things like you and I were witness with three other people to what we call the tone. Mm-hmm. We played it on this show in a two hour special we did on May twenty sixth, and people can go back in the archives and look at that and hear it. And it was uh, it moved. It was uh, we don't know. It didn't seem to have a source. Uh, ben wasn't with us, but he was he was here uh, hosting the show uh, when we did it. And uh, there were a number of characteristics that he pointed out, but but we all we heard that ourselves, and it went off into the sky because uh, it led us outside, and, yep. and we've talked about that, and you know we you and I were both witness to that. Um, so things of that kind, but I can't see how that would be seismic. It could be, as our friend Mark D'Antonio says, undiscovered science, but until it is, it's, it's discovered, it's it's still rather a mystery and rather uh, rather something, but. Um, I think perhaps uh, attention needs to be paid to any disappearances, uh, per Linda's question, that might occur in areas where, the, where this takes place. On the other hand, in these flap areas that we research, all kinds of things are taking place right. that are related perhaps by the processes that, that, that allow them to occur, but aren't necessarily connected. I don't, I don't know. We don't know. Well, you know, the, the areas where these people are going missing, there's, so there's clusters that, that they happen in. It's just not all over the place. I mean, it, there's quite a few of them in, in the United States and Canada and elsewhere, but there's, there's clusters that are, that, that are formulated and where they're happening. And in those areas, they're all, they, they have the same environmental, um, qualities as do our flap areas. They're all f- surrounded by rivers and streams. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are, like, there is a cluster in our Pennsylvania flap area. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's not a coincidence. And in these areas, um, these flap areas and also in, in some of the homes that we investigate, some of the, the Bigfoot areas, if you will, or which are usually always a flap area uh, that we, and then some of the UFO research that I've done prior to something happening. Um, so many times, I I can sometimes hear a humming, or but almost always before something happens, you, like you were saying, it's like a really fast vibration that my body is buzzing. <laughs> like it just feels like it's like yeah. so fast. And then things start happening. So there's definitely that's definitely being caused by whatever process this is in allowing these things to come through. And I think they're all coming through the same way, utilizing the same things. Because, um, you know, I know a lot of people believe 
Bigfoot is just flesh and blood, and he's just something that is good at hide-and-go-seek and all this mm. other stuff. But let me tell you something. I've come up on big footprints or huge footprints that started from nowhere. Yeah. And they ended in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Where did they go? I mean, I'm talking not just in mud where the ground could have got harder or whatever. I'm talking in the snow, fresh snow. They just appear, and then they they trail off for 100 mm-hmm. yards, and then they just stop. So, I mean, there, there's a process that happens, and, and, like, I get that buzzy feeling or humming sound sometimes, and then things, some weird things will take place. We get it in the home, in homes. But, um, yeah, in, in where these people are going missing, um, it, it, it's all, like I said, they got the same qualities as our flap areas where everything weird is happening. So whatever's taking these people, I think, are coming through from somewhere else. Or there, there have been, on a case where just, Starting to get into the Kentucky uh, Panther Rock Triangle area, there have been human disappearances reported, but not recently that I'm aware of uh, that we're in Pennsylvania in, in that flap or in Connecticut in, in the Torrington, Goshen, Litchfield area that we're, that we're aware of that would have any connection. That in other words, that hasn't been explained as a kidnapping or something, you know. So, but I th- but in the past. And uh, we, we've talked a bit about the history of the Pennsylvania Triangle on the show before, and, and it's th- there are some awfully strange things that happen to people in that area. Uh, for example, in about 1500, uh, the uh, the uh, apparently a large number of Native Americans were killed in that because that's not a disappearance, but, but uh, in that area by a, a meteor strike or something rather formidable of that kind. And uh, that's been vetted by University of Pennsylvania archaeologists, things of that kind, uh, right up in that field where uh, not far from where you had your uh, Bigfoot kind of, and right where I had mine. So um, I, just, again, it's a mystery as far as uh, relationships. There were always relationships. Well, the Pennsylvania area, there has been quite a few disappearances uh, real close to where we're at. Where oh, okay. We're investigating. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's your that's your domain more than mine. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm talking. They don't have as many as Yosemite or some of these other places, um, but the ones about Pennsylvania, the, the the missing people in Pennsylvania are just really bizarre. Like the, yeah. the stories that happen there with these missing cases are just insanely bizarre and. So this is, we know Pennsylvania is very strange, and um, yes. well, <laughs> so, people are great, but uh, yes, the people are great. A, a lot of a lot of strange paranormal stuff goes on there. Yeah, it's, it's renowned for that. Well, you know, the question arises too: if this multiverse thing is correct and our consciousness kind of follows us, how do how do you know that you didn't disappear? During that Bigfoot experience you had in 2016, May of 2016, right? But your consciousness just fine, and you don't know. So you know, or, or me, in some of the weird things that have happened to me there, and, and I mean, who who knows? I mean, and we just we don't know the difference ourselves. But in various versions of the of the world, if the, again, if the multiverse theory is true, uh, maybe um, they're still looking for us. Well, here's a strange one. One of the strangest missing persons cases: um, the gentleman went missing for 15 months, and he woke up in the field. And he was wearing clothes that weren't his. He had a, a duffel bag or whatever mm-hmm. with maps and stuff inside that and that he didn't remember having. Like, but um, he had no memory of where he was, what he did. But he woke up in this field 15 months after he went missing, and um, showed up at his father's door. And, and um, had, but it's it just very bizarre. So, 
what kept him alive? You know, did he enter through some portal or did he cross over into a different, you know, parallel or whatever? And then, well, just- this is the thing. That's why you, you have uh, this is many strange appearances almost as, yes. as disappearances, uh, even of animals. Uh, in uh, behind the paranormal, uh, everything you know is wrong. The 2016 book uh, Ben and I wrote. Uh, we, we cited the, uh, the 1960s uh, uh, mysterious kangaroo outbreak in the Midwestern United States. And uh, there, right, right within the, in the, the borders of Chicago, the city of Chicago, people were seeing them and they're going through their garbage cans in their backyard. Really? And the police actually tried to cuff one, and it just leaped over the fence and ran away. But how do you cuff? I mean, luckily, <laughs> kangaroo didn't slug the, the cop. Or, but I uh, guess they do that. Um, and, at the, and then um, 50 miles away, like in the same afternoon, another one was saying, so can't have been the same man, unless there's more than one. Mm. Uh, no escapes from circuses. Uh, it's, of course, a big port on the Great Lakes, but uh, we're not aware of any ships that were carrying kangaroos uh, at that point. So uh, these things are out-of-place animals, out-of-place people. Uh, the weirdest one, I think I ever encountered, I guess I didn't have any, it happened before um, I really got into this, but I was a kid uh, at the uh, airport in Tokyo. Uh, a guy showed up with a passport from a country that didn't exist. Clothes that, that were made in a very odd way. They couldn't, and he had memories of, of a world that did. And this, and he ended up uh, uh, taking his own life because he, he couldn't deal with it. Nobody knew what to do with him. And I've checked and checked and checked, and there are there are people I I know who have talked to witnesses who saw this guy, um, like people in the Japanese Customs Service, things of this kind. Hmm. So uh, I mean. <sighs> Appearances and disappearances. Uh, you know, whether any sounds were associated, I don't know. But the guy that went fi- missing for 15 months, they found he was he was at a Michigan beach or something like that, and they they found his tracks. You know, dogs sent and all that sort of stuff. The tracks just stopped, and he like just boom, yeah. gone. Like he was yeah. plucked from from the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then he he showed up. I think it was like 400 miles um, far, far away from yeah. where he went missing. 15 months later, just really weird. Well, I actually know people, and I talked to them when I was in England. They were jogging with a guy. It was late 1970s, 1978, and along a road. He was in front of them. He tripped, fell, and disappeared. Never seen or heard from again. Huh. Traumatized everybody, to say the least. But, I mean, what is that? You know, just, uh, What is them finding feet, shoes with feet in them over, over there, too? Yeah, lately, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lately, yeah, and they're washing up. Yeah. In the, I mean, weird. Well, and not to belabor this because we got more questions, but <laughs> we, well, when I was uh, in the Southwest, I saw some of the, tra- the the famous dinosaur tracks from the Paluxy Riverbed in Texas. And there, there is one with a huge, there's one that walks along in the mud with, with a huge, with human footprint. Now this is supposed to be impossible. Dinosaurs were supposed to be extinct 60 years, 60 million years before people came along. Um, there is even one found in Utah with a shoe stepping on a trilobite. We're talking 550 million years ago, trilobites, sea creatures, you know. I mean, what, what is this? Um, the, if it was some displaced human, uh, would have been very bad luck because the air at the time would have been toxic to us. Never mind, you know, talk about foreign microbes and stuff. But they, they were, uh, you know, the air isn't like it. The atmosphere isn't like it is today. So bad news if anybody got, tra- you know, whatever sucked into some portal or intersect. But who knows? I mean, there, there's 
there are more mysteries uh, for every question that, that's answered. Well, they just found a spark plug embedded in like this fifty thousand year old rock or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Quarries in France, they find uh, quarrying instruments in, in strata that, that are like over a million years. Well, we're always saying you know, a thousand civilizations can rise and fall in a million years, and most of human history is empty. We don't know anything about it. Right. So, I mean, who knows what happened? Anyway, let's get to poor Yvette in Whitensville, Mass. Here, uh, who asks, uh, and this this might lighten our load a little bit intellectually. What is the current state of paranormal entertainment, reality shows, and movies? Uh, I heard that many of these reality shows are faked. I think Shane has mentioned that, but they all have handsome guys and cute girls hunting <laughs> ghosts. Will it ever get more intelligent? Why don't you guys have a show? Oh, good grief. That's that's your domain too. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't speak to a lot of. The, I know there's a couple um, new shows out there right now that um, I don't I don't watch them, but I I do know for a fact that some of the popular ones in the past have um, not only have I been told by producers that they fake stuff if if they get to an investigation and there's not anything much going on, they'll edit the footage to look a certain way, or they'll yeah. throw things in there, or they might have someone in the other room make a noise or whatever, but. Um, so I've been told that by producers of, of these shows, but also on some of the live Halloween special shows, they've been caught doing stuff, you know, rigging their jacket to look like their hoods being pulled. Yeah. But they thought they were out of the scene, the, you know, out of the view of the camera while they're rigging up their camera, their, their jacket, and then they walk over <laughs> closer yeah. to the camera and but totally busted. So I mean, yeah, they they do. I mean, it's. I mean, they, they, it's all ratings, and they don't want their show to be canceled. And but you know, if you really know, if, if you understand the paranormal mechanics, how this stuff works, you wouldn't have to fake it. You'll you would know how to present it. You know, it, or where to be and what to do to have it present itself. And these people just don't understand it. But so I mean, it it they definitely um, this stuff has been faked in the past. But I don't know about the recent shows. Um, I know like. As funny as they are, like Ghost Adventures, um, I, I don't. I've watched some of that, that stuff. You know, sometimes I force myself to watch these shows, but they actually asked me to be on the show at one point, so I'd you know I'll watch just to kind of learn a little bit about them. And I think they're probably, believe it or not, probably more legit than some of the other ones I've seen. Do they fake stuff? I don't know. Maybe possibly, but uh, they seem more in line with what I've seen in, in the field than what these other clowns do, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, well, I, I agree. Um, we, we know, um, we have a couple of friends who are involved in so particularly one of the, or two of the Bigfoot shows, and he said he was very upset that the producers would plant evidence, things of this kind, and he himself, he, he was under contract, so he couldn't get out of it, but we don't want anything to do with anything like that, no. to say the least. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we have had a, a brief foray into the world of reality shows, uh, which are cheap to make because they're not scripted. Uh, we we have um, we've done a, a couple of pilots and uh, we made it clear there would be nothing. For, for, some of these areas are so active, you know, you wouldn't have to fake anything in the first place, just the witnesses alone. Uh, but we were uh, told essentially when the sizzler reel was done and when it went to the networks, the networks would come back and say essentially you you don't fight enough as father and son, and certainly we don't f- argue. Uh, and you are too intelligent. In so many words, they would say that. So, 
fine. The heck with them. You know, yeah. we do this show. We got a lot of listeners, and you know, we, and we do what we can, and there we go. And thanks to our station manager, we're, we now it's kind of a TV show too. So. Uh, I think that that's great. But um, the last time was in the Pennsylvania case. I should say the Connecticut case. And we had, uh, you know, I could name some of the directors here, and you can look them up. They're well-known. And some outside party would come in, so we were told by the production company, and, like, mess things up. Uh, at one point, uh, Meryl Streep was personally involved in one of the sizzler reels for that. That's the thing the production company sends out to the network to get them to buy the show. And um, the wrong reel was sent out, and one of the producers quit over that, as a matter of fact. Uh, she was so upset about it. And so anyway, there were all kinds of shenanigans going on, but uh, some, some it's almost as if somebody doesn't want us to be doing anything major on this. some of these flap area cases. So I don't know, but uh, I was on the air once with Jason Hawes from Go- the the, the the granddaddy of all the ghost hunting shows, uh, ghost hunters, and uh, I was very um, very I was kind of impressed with him. We had a great conversation, although I kind of got the feeling that I was perceived as a threat because you know we disagree with all the theories. Uh, although I've been told that certain groups, I mean, we, we've had letters, on, people have emailed the show and said, you're, you're, you're too hard on ghost hunters. We use your, we're using your theories and we're getting amazing results. So be nicer to us, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, whatever that may be worth, I mean, I, I, I still don't think people should be out there messing with this stuff. Um, but there it is. So we don't have, that's why we don't have our own show. I've been offered several times, and I've met with um, you know these producers. They come up from Manhattan or yeah. you know Hollywood or whatever, L.A. I, mean, I should yeah. say, and, and I meet with them. And, and um, my thing is, is I'm not even going to consider the show unless you put me down as having some kind of say as to what is put out to, the, to the public. Yeah. If you're not going to do that, I'm not going to do the show. Yeah. I don't need money that that, that yep. bad. You yep. know, I do. I don't do this for money. I do this yeah. because I care about it. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to me. And um, so I've. All right. See you. Have a nice day. Well, I'll tell you where it's gotten us. Um, we, there's a, a, a screenwriter in L.A. who is um, a really wonderful person, and she's uh, writing a uh, working on a script, a scripted show with, with Ben and I as as like a comedy team. Uh, I, that's maybe a backhanded compliment. I don't know, but, uh, we'll see if it ever goes anywhere. So that's as far as we've gotten, but, uh, anything that's going to be, uh, produced, because cable is dying, YouTube is big, and we work with, uh, he's been on the show many times, uh, our good friend Alexander Petikoff, brilliant young filmmaker, uh, who's been all over the world globetrotting, and, uh, we're working with him possibly on a couple of, of productions. Uh, one certainly about um, in New Hampshire, the uh, America Stonehenge. We've been working on that, uh, and, and also Chuck Credo, our good friend, who's uh, one of the best interviews sh- uh, interviewers I've ever worked with, short of George Knapp. I think he's the second best. And so um, there, there will be some possibilities for some uh, television uh, and video productions um, beyond what we do on the show every week here, and uh, we'll just keep everybody posted on that. But I don't think this is going to be any reality TV for us. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, here's, this is one from Craig. Uh, we do not know where Craig is from. What do you guys think about, uh, probably time for one more question, uh, Edgar Casey and Carlos Castaneda. 
Now, Edgar Casey was a um, known as the sleeping prophet. Okay, he would uh, literally go to sleep, and he was active, particularly in the 1930s, 40s, and, and in the, some of the 50s, I believe, uh, in um, uh, I believe it was Virginia, and he would uh, wake up and have the, these insights, and probably, and he was uh, it's taken very seriously. Uh, he was kind of a serious fellow, you know, he didn't seem frivolous. And, uh, his, um, his reputation has come down, uh, to us since then. And I remember that, um, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, David Wilcock, who has been on the show today, very nice fellow, but he kind of hints around that he's the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And of course, with our theories, reincarnation would be meaningless, I mean, in, in the classic sense. And he kind of, he kind of looks like him. But we, we love David, and, and he's been on the show uh, a couple of times, but um, I don't know about this, the whole thing. But Edgar Casey is a, a sleeping prophet taken very seriously. Carlos Castaneda was sort of a mysterious uh, fellow from uh, Mexico, I believe, uh, and he was very popular in the 1960s. I remember when I was in college, a lot of people were reading um, Carlos Castaneda's books, and uh, I don't know a lot about him, but he was um, sort of in the tradition, I guess, of Edgar Casey, although he didn't sleep a lot. I don't know. But um, it was, um, again, esoteric knowledge and things of this kind. Um, you can look back at people like Nostradamus and say, well, he predicted Hitler and World War II, and he predicted certain things in modern times. But, yeah, but nobody knew he predicted until after it happened. Look back and say, oh, this must be this. So, I mean, to me, I mean, what's that about? There's sort of like, you know, backwards reasoning, and, and, and I, I don't know. So I, I don't have a high opinion of these, uh, quote-unquote, prophets. I mean, theologically, uh, prophets don't predict the future they they speak the word of god in the old like in the old testament and stuff uh so it's not necessarily about predicting the future so i don't know shane what do you think about all this? i don't know but carlos castaneda um you know as far as he's concerned uh, i've read some of his books wrote actually i own some of his books yeah so do i yeah i, I enjoy him actually and but yeah. do i believe he's he's speaking from real experiences i don't know i mean it's so, i always consider them works of fiction yeah i i really yeah, do yeah. i mean i would lean that way yeah um but at the same token some of the stuff that he 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 talks about doing um is actually real he just goes about it in a, a really roundabout way but the mechanics are there so there is an understanding that he does have of how some of this stuff works he's just doing it in a really roundabout way or you know using symbolic things and but um but the mechanic understanding i believe he he has in, in a lot of areas yeah but but is the other books real i don't i don't know well one of the things that bothers me is that people take so seriously people who think they're predicting the future all right um I'm disturbed that people would think I'm predicting the end of the world in 2020. Um, yeah, because that's not what's happening. So I, people need to think for themselves, you know, I, I think. And, and, you know, everybody's people tend to be sheeple sometimes. Yeah. You know, looking for leaders and looking for that. And, you know, this, that, that can be very dangerous. Best to keep your feet on the ground. Uh, you know, again, pay attention to your responsibilities in your daily life, and 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 think for yourself. And and, be, and I've always thought that it takes, as we said to this theologian, uh, Doctor Hart, who was on a few weeks, a great show, a lot of listeners' podcast. That it's better to uh, that you also you have to be as reasonable in deciding what you don't believe as deciding what you do believe. In other words, you should use your reason to decide what not to believe as well as what to believe. Yeah. So people should use their reason all around and uh, keep their feet on the ground. So whether it be Edgar Casey or whoever, uh, things are not always as advertised, and then use your head. Let's yeah. say that. So 
Okay. All right. I think we're, uh, we can get to our announcements here. Uh, first of all, a uh, happy new year to everyone and thank you everyone who wrote in. Uh, we will get to your, your material eventually. Uh, and let's remember that the world is what we make it. And, uh, as long as it doesn't end. <laughs> and, yeah, right. Uh, we look forward to the 2020 lecture season and our first event, the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine in April. Uh, stay tuned for more details as the date approaches. There'll be other events throughout the year as well, including the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire on Labor Day weekend and the Greater New England UFO Conference in Massachusetts on Columbus Day. And I understand that I will be uh, honored to be the keynote speaker uh, there in 2020. Uh, Shane, what do you have cooking? Not a whole lot. The only thing we need to get you back into these uh, main lineups here, <laughs> yeah. headliners. You know, um, the Parafest in, in April. Um, that's really the only thing I have scheduled. Uh, Richard from San Francisco just wrote fun show. Okay, <laughs> a nice short comment. Thank you, Richard. All right, good. Uh, okay, so uh, do you want to? Uh, okay, uh, uh, Ben. Today, I'll do, my, I'll do my Ben impersonation. Okay, <laughs> check out our books. That meaning yours and Ben's books. Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard of, and now, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God. They're all available from online retailers and in some stores, the better stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay. Uh, also at BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years. Uh, and the, mo- the most recent uh, shows are posted there, the most recent recorded shows. And uh, we have taken to posting those on various podcast sites as well, including, uh, our, that's our 11 plus years on the air here, including four and a half year run on CBS radio along with special shows and podcasts and all our shows here on ON 1240. Uh, and, uh, we've got them back to mid 2010 at this point, uh, and also available on major podcast platforms, as I say, YouTube, iTunes, etc. And we will eventually get those back to 2008. So, uh, and there are a lot of, um, a lot of interesting uh, subjects we covered there. There are also some links to several charities we've adopted on the show, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring, Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Fund Foundation of America, the Sisters of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund here in Northern Rhode Island. Okay, very good. And uh, Shane, um, any you, uh, you asked them that comments? question already? I did. Yes. yes. <laughs> Any changes to what's going on in your life <laughs> since uh, <laughs> 20 seconds ago? Um, well, yeah, actually, I've been talking to some people uh, behind the scenes about some really cool stuff, some real secretive stuff. You know about one of them. Yes. But we can't say nothing yet. Yeah. But right. I can't wait till we can come on the show and, and have that yeah. gentleman on here to talk about. I'm very excited about that. Yes. Uh, very different stuff, too. Yes. So, uh, Ben, or I should say Dave, uh, what do we have uh, cooking for next week? Well, it says here that next Sunday, January 5th, we bring you author Nathaniel Gillis on the subject of demonology. Yes, um, whatever that may be. I'm looking forward to that because uh, we're going to be exchanging a lot of ideas uh, on on this uh, subject. Okay, so um, we have time for the quote? Yes. Okay. Uh, We leave you 